Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. You know, I'd like to start out today by giving a shout out to my wonderful daughter-in-law, Samira. Have you ever met anyone who can do, well, anything, everything? <laughs> I'm talking about sheetrocking a wall, planting a tree, a gourmet Persian cooking, mastering the art of using a table saw, a circular saw, a reciprocal saw. I mean, I could go on. And she does all of this while watching her one and three-year-old nap. My grandkids. Or sometimes she does it in the wee hours of the night. You know, and I didn't even mention that Samira is a neurophysiologist by trade. <laughs> so I mention all this because I'm going to have Samira join us in an upcoming self-coaching episode, and we're going to be talking about resilience, tenacity, and self-confidence, and we shall explore her secrets, and perhaps she'll share them with us. We can all become a little bit more resilient, tenacious, and confident, right? So be on the lookout for my episode featuring Samira, this wonderful person. Well, here we are just about to close out May 2022. And once again, we are headed toward summer. And what comes to mind when we think of summer? Well, beaches and getting in shape and losing a few pounds. I mean, we don't have those heavy winter clothes anymore to protect us. So we, we tend to gravitate toward losing those few pounds. And today I thought I would uh, revive some of um, the information in my book, Thin From Within, and talk about some of the, the challenges that we face when we're trying to either lose weight or maintain what I call weight mastery. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about the three challenges. And the three challenges, I call them your enemies. So we're going to get to know the three enemies that, that tend to work against you when your intentions are to shed those few pounds let's talk about the process of liberating yourself from destructive eating now what's destructive eating well i guess we all define destructive eating personally but basically you know when you're going south and where where you're going against your better intentions whether it be with that high caloric food or just volume eating or overindulging so Let's, let's talk about those enemies that uh, prevent you from, from really getting to constructive eating and losing that weight. Uh, and it's, it's helpful to keep in mind, uh, Sun Tzu wrote a book called The Art of War. And, and one of the things that always impressed me was the quote, know your enemy. And it's, it's such an important thing in life uh, in general, you know, in order for you not to be victimized by your own impulses, by those nasty cravings, 
the misperceptions. Oh, just I'll just have one, uh, or mindless destructive patterns. You know where you're just sitting in front of the TV and uh, you have a bag of chips or something. Before you know it, the bag is empty. So mindless eating, and it's it's really important to know and appreciate what your specific enemies are. And I've kind of categorized them as, as three enemies that I call adverse circumstances, harmful emotions, and destructive habits. Now, typically those three enemies will co-mingle. So it's, it's not uncommon that you, you may have a setback at work. For example, uh, when we would call that an adverse circumstance, uh, someone, uh, I don't know, tattled on you to the boss. So now you come home and you're all flustered. And, and this may cause a panic in you. And that would be another enemy, your harmful emotion. And, and, it, and it leaves you kind of running to the pantry for an old friend, uh, maybe some chips, or to the fridge for your other old friend, a pint of ice cream. So it goes without saying that the three enemies can occur in any order. And again, a, a binge would be a destructive habit, and that could lead to a depression, harmful emotion, which could then create a situation where you get in trouble at work. Again, adverse circumstances. So keep in mind that these three enemies can occur in different ways and different shapes and different forms, but they are usually the root of the resistance we have about breaking bad habits and instilling new and constructive habits. So let's start with enemy number one, adverse circumstances. Adverse circumstances encompass an array of everyday life challenges. And often these events, whether they're big or small, they're they're out of our control. And that's what makes them devastating is because sometimes we, we look to food to feel some semblance of control or to distract or to sidestep the feelings, those, those difficult feelings that we feel when we are feeling a loss of control. So food, you know, offers, you know, kind of a, a sedative. Uh, it re releases those feel good chemicals, you know, that are uh, just, you know, the dopamine, etc. And, and these, these chemicals that are released in the brain are similar to the chemicals that are released with uh, heroin and cocaine, the pleasure centers of the brain. So with adverse circumstances, we tend to look toward our friends. So one thing that's really, I think, important is to, is to keep in mind that it's, it's not life circumstances that brings us to our knees or to the pantry or to the fridge. It's not the circumstances of our life, but it's our interpretation of these circumstances. Take, for example, a bad hair day. One person might shrug it off, you know, who cares, no big deal. But another person might become panicky. Oh my God, what if someone sees me like this? While a third person becoming thoroughly depressed might decide not to leave the house and uh, you know, scurry off to find a bowl of some nice comfort food. So it's not the bad hair that causes the reactions, right? It's, it's our perception of the hair that does. While you can't always prevent bad things from happening, 
but you can control how you react to them. And that's, that's really quite critical because, you know, we tend to blame life and, and then we tend to excuse ourselves. Oh, that's, that was so terrible. And, and you know, it, it's, of course I, I can't help but getting upset. Yeah, you can help it. I mean, the bad circumstance you couldn't control, but your reaction can be questioned, can be mitigated, reduced, minimized. So keep in mind that it's not life, no matter what difficulties you're working with, whether you're looking for a job and you're stressed at home or you have bills to pay or, you know, it, it's, it's really just a matter of recognizing that you do control how you react. Now, up until this point, perhaps one way you've reacted, of, of course, is with food. So, you know, we're going to really take a look at this in different ways, but keep in mind that food is a go-to strategy for a lot of life challenges. And it's, it's not that it's a terrible thing, but if, if losing some weight and having weight mastery and health over your life, well, then, then it is important. So when you're tripped up by life circumstances, obviously it's easy to lose confidence, to lose that resolve that you're, you're going to stick to your diet. And most importantly, you can lose perspective. You know, the more you will allow yourself to feel out of control, and again, allowing yourself to feel out of control, the more you generate stress, anxiety, and even panic. And these emotions certainly contribute and exacerbate your troubles. And at times, when you're feeling disoriented or panicky, well, you darn well know you can count on the solace that's associated with, here we go, a very important word, comfort food. Now, why do you think we call it comfort food? Uh, well, kind of a no-brainer, right? Because it comforts. You know, it comforts chemically, emotionally, behaviorally. And, you know, we don't need to get into the brain chemistry, the chemical chemistry as to why comfort food is, in fact, comforting and sedative. But that's what we look for, especially when challenged with our own discomfort and emotions. So keep in mind that to be successful, not, not just with losing weight or weight mastery, but in other things, in other parts of your life, success in life is never about escaping or sidestepping your challenges. It's about handling every challenge, you know, with strength, with conviction, with optimism. You see, that builds the self-trust, that builds the optimism. And optimism, pessimism, very important you know, parts of our daily lives. The, the negative person, the pessimistic person, looks forward in a crippling way and sees things as negative. And that affects how you feel. It affects your mood. Whereas the optimistic person looks forward to things going in the right direction, uh, things working out feeling that, for example, with losing weight, that you're going to be successful, that you're going to handle things in a more appropriate way. But optimism affects you in the moment. So if you really want some jet fuel to help you with your resolve, as you tend to want to, you know, lose a few pounds, keep in mind that an optimistic attitude is very important. You know, if you have a little slip up, and you grab for one of those chocolate chip cookies, uh, you, you may, you know, the pessimistic part of you may feel, oh, now I'm going to hell in a handbasket. 
but the optimistic part of you might say, well, okay, it's just, it's just a slip. Now I've got to get back to center and I can do this. I can handle this. So optimism is a way to improve your present mode of functioning, your attitude, your feelings, and it really empower you to, to handle things in a more effective way. You know, one, one of the things I always point out in, in self-coaching is that, you know, you're a survival machine. You, you really have many resources and you have a lot more psychological muscle and tenacity than you realize. Important point. You know, we tend, especially when we feel weak, we tend to devalue our potential, our strength. And of course, with that comes the pessimism. And with that comes, you know, just a distraction away from our intentions. But with patience and with, let's call it a resilient mindset and the right perspective, you know, if you have that, you'll tap into a reservoir of inner strength. And that reservoir has been there. Maybe it's eluded you, but it doesn't have to delude or elude you any longer. So there's a lot more to you. And just take a leap of faith in, in what I'm trying to say right now and recognize that, yes, there is more to you than you may realize. Just kind of tuck that away for now and just kind of find some solace in the fact that there's a lot more strength there, but we want to enlist that strength. So one of the things that the all of the three enemies, the three enemies we're talking about will do, will be to erode that conviction and you will feel anything but uh, a reservoir of ability. You'll feel that you uh, don't have what it takes, regardless of the challenge. You know, we're talking again about food and dieting and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but this, these enemies apply to life itself. So whether you apply it to wanting to lose weight or whether you apply it to, you know, handling life stress, beware. The, the enemies will tend to try to pull you off your game. And if I could give you one kind of self-coaching tip, keep in mind that resilience is knowing that adversity is temporary. This too shall pass, as they say. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because, well, we tend to uh, all of a sudden catastrophize, you know, when things go out of control, when we lose the handle on something, you know, we, we tend to feel that it's never going to end. And once we get into that kind of black and white thinking, and we remove ourselves from the more objective gray type of thinking, we, we tend to get into the panicky pessimism. You know, then we feel this isn't going to end. It's going to get worse. And then we bail a lot sooner than if we realized in life, all of the challenges we face are temporary. They come and they go. How many challenges have you faced in your life? Well, you're listening to this podcast today. So obviously you've made it this far. You handle things one way or another, but you, as I said earlier, you're a survival machine. So keep coming back to the fact that you have these resources. You're not going to let yourself down. Now, maybe you'll stumble, but you know, there's an old saying that stumbling isn't falling. Okay. If you stumble back to center. Okay. Let's move on to enemy number two, harmful emotions. Well, you can guess where this is going, right? I mean, there's no doubt that emotions play a major, major role in destructive eating. You take anxiety, panic, boredom. A lot of people don't realize boredom is an emotion. It's a very stressful emotion. 
moodiness, depression itself, irritability, stress, and on and on and on. Any of these emotions can, can create just chaos. And this emotional chaos compels us to do what? Well, to seek the calming, distractive, anesthetizing qualities of, can you guess? Comfort food. And comfort food can and does affect brain chemicals responsible for pleasure and feeling good. And consequently, comfort food has a dramatic and profound effect on our moods. I mean, that's, that's not questionable. So when it comes to emotional first aid, there's no question that comfort food becomes a, a form of self-medication, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, like alcohol, nicotine, cannabis. I mean, food can have a powerful, powerful sedating effect on tense emotions. Just what you need when you're feeling really stressed, right? It can deflect, can distract, but offer, most importantly, temporary solace from those stressful challenges. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just sitting here wondering what, what my, my, I'm thinking what my comfort food would be. You know what comes to mind? When I was a kid, there was a um, Palisade amusement park in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and they had this one French fry stand it was this little cone you would get with the French fries in it. And it was doused with salt and, and uh, malt vinegar. I guess, I guess if I would have a comfort food, it would be those Palisade Park French fries doused with malt vinegar and salt. Mm. That would get me through a lot of stress. Uh, you know, I mentioned boredom being an emotion. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but, but it, can, it can generate stress and irritability. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone likes to be bored. You know, if we're sitting waiting for a, a bus or a, a train or a plane, we can get kind of antsy. Uh, you know, we maybe go to the, the candy counter or the um, candy machine or whatever, and uh, we look for food to kind of fill the vacuum uh, of, of emptiness. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the boredom. It could be an empty life, a passionless relationship, inadequate stimulation. We, we tend to fill those voids in our life with food. I, I, I come from an Italian family and, you know, food <laughs> was for all ails. You know, mangia, mangia. <laughs> no matter what ailed you, you know, there was always a plate of spaghetti. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of just what, what grown-ups used to offer. Uh, whenever, whenever there was an inexplicable problem, have some, have, have a little of this. Have, yeah, go ahead, munch. <laughs> All right. So, um, when emotions go beyond temporary mood disturbances, and they become entrenched in deeper seated, let's say, depressions or anxieties, then the resolve to lose or maintain weight, well, obviously, it's going to be significantly weakened. Weakened, if not shattered, you know, when you are anxious or depressed, uh, you know, you, you kind of just let go of that handhold in life. And for this reason, you know, it's really critical that we first address any underlying psychological issues. You know, these issues that might prevent you from reaching your goals. You know, hopefully through some of these podcasts, we, we offer different techniques, self-coaching techniques 
for uh, ameliorating and and dealing with the stronger uh, emotions of anxiety, depression. And in a nutshell, self-coaching deals with the fundamental premise or the fundamental seed of anxiety, depression being insecurity, which then promotes us to want to kind of compensate for our feelings of vulnerability by finding controlling strategies. And it's the controlling strategies that create the stress. You know, let's take the most ubiquitous of all the controlling strategies, worry. I just did a recent uh, podcast episode on worry. So if you want to go back and listen to that for more detail, but let's use that as an example. So when we worry, you know, we're trying to offset the, the vulnerability that we're feeling, say, by one of life's challenges. And worrying in itself creates stress. So we have a life challenge. We try to compensate our vulnerabilities by worrying. But what does worrying do? Well, we're trying to anticipate, figure out how to get away from, you know, whatever it may be. We're wringing our hands just trying to be safe. We're, we're kind of worrying in order not to worry. You know, so it's self-coaching is one way to address anxiety and depression because I treat anxiety and depression not as mental illness, but as habits. And I know that sounds heretical, but mild to moderate anxiety, depression, uh, they are, in my estimation, habits that we either feed or starve. So from a self-coaching perspective, if you start to feel anxiety and depression is really in the way of your reaching your goals, and by all means, why don't you pick up uh, some of the older podcasts on anxiety, depression, and realize that all habits are learned, even anxiety, depression, and all habits can be broken. But we have to reframe the way we think. We're either feeding or starving our insecurity. So that's part of the work that has to be done. If traditionally you find that your emotions continue to trip you up, or if you find that your anxiety, depression is such that you can't even begin that process of taking better care of your, your physiological health and well-being. Anxiety, depression, uh, you know, these, these are limiting factors, but you can simultaneously deal with these. And, and again, do, do listen to some of the earlier podcasts on that uh, while handling your three enemies. So right now we're talking about enemy number two. And enemy number two are those harmful emotions. So if you are putting and digesting, and at the user, a pun, if you are digesting all of this about our enemies, recognize that harmful emotions, unless those emotions are addressed and realized, then you've got one foot going north, one foot going south. So it is imperative that you are more in touch with where your emotions are, because we're talking about eating healthfully and mindless eating you know, that's, that's a major component when you are emotionally distraught. So we want to become much more mindful, not only of the eating process, but mindful of the emotions that drive us to forget our intentions. So let's move on to destructive enemy number three. I should have a little fanfare there, a little trumpet. Destructive habits. Well, Let's start out with the fact that human beings are creatures of habit. There isn't much question about that. You know, our survival as a species, it was due in part to our ability to establish patterns and routines and habits in our day-to-day -day lives. 
Now, although reflexive habits like touch typing, driving a car, or even buttoning a blouse or a shirt, which involves often overlooked, very intricate dexterity. Just, just <laughs> do me a favor. If, you, if, you, if you're wearing shoes with a lace right now or, or a blouse or shirt with a button, go ahead and unbutton the blouse and button it and look at the coordinated ability of your fingers as they do this so adeptly. I mean, the child has to learn this and it is an arduous process. And the child over time becomes, I remember when I was actually learning to tie the bow on, on, the, on my shoe, and <laughs> I remember my mother's frustration, and you put this one circle underneath, and it just didn't compute, you know, and it, it took a while. So we are creatures of habit, and these habits are undeniably helpful. Tying your shoe, buttoning your blouse, touch typing, driving your car, whatever it may be. Our habits can be very, very efficient for handling life. You'd be hard pressed for time if every day you had to relearn these tasks. Think about it a second, right? You know, you just, they make our lives just so much fluid, so much more efficient. So that's why early on in our developmental history, in an evolutionary sense, why habit formation and why our brains became brains that embrace habit because it makes us handle our time more efficiently. But not all habits work in our favor. Um, for example, a habit of lethargy, you know, getting a little bit too lazy, becoming what we love to call a couch potato. <laughs> worrying can be a habit. Worrying and ruminating. Yeah, these, these are habits. And these habits are associated with destructive eating. And the habits such as worrying and ruminating and all that kind of stuff, they can hold you and your life hostage. You become a victim of your own habits, unless, as we mentioned earlier, you become more mindful. Then, of course, you can challenge the status quo. As I've said, all habits are learned and all habits can be broken. So being able to recognize the habitual nature of what you do and when you do it, and why you do it. Well, this is really pivotal. If you're going to do what I call habit reformation, where we change destructive patterns into positive habits. So if you plan to reform your ways, your behavior, it begins with mindfulness, and it's absolutely essential that you accept the notion that I just mentioned. It is essential. And that is, and I say it again for emphasis, all habits are learned, all habits can be unlearned. Couch potatoes, that became a habit. And to break that's gonna take, you know, there's, there's gonna be resistance. Chocolate, uh, ice cream, potato chips, you know, if these are your habits, breaking these habits, you're going to face resistance, just as you would if you were a cigarette smoker and you wanted to stop smoking. There will be some withdrawal, maybe physiologically it'll be minimal, but psychologically it might not be minimal. How many people do you know have to have their ice cream or their cookies or whatever it might be? Their chocolate, chocolate, you know, chocolate can be highly addictive. There are such things as chocoholics. So certain foods, 
it is not a misnomer to say that certain foods can be addictive. You know, a lot of these comfort foods, uh, because of the effect in the brain, because of the mood elevation, these can become just as addictive as other experiences. I mean, you might think it's far-fetched to think of food as addictive, but, but take gambling, an addictive gambler. Uh, same centers in the brain, the pleasure centers, the dopamine. These are the things that can become addictive because of the effect they have on us and on our emotions. So sounding a little bit like uh, John Adams, uh, habits are stubborn things. They do resist change. You know, that, that all too familiar concept of yo-yo dieting, it's a testimony to the fact that in time, all habits will reassert themselves in spite of any previous weight loss efforts or success. Because in time, if you don't change your mental, and that's why I call the book Thin From Within, if you don't change within your mind, uh, then we go to the yo-yo. You know, an overweight patient of mine uh, sounding alike, a lot like Mark Twain once quipped, I've never had a problem losing weight. I've done it a thousand times. And, and that's my point. My point is that you, you need to change your attitude toward yourself. You need to minimize the stressors in your life. And one of the ways that we mentioned earlier was, of course, realizing that it's not life that brings us to our knees. It's how we interpret. So we need to, th we need to look at our thoughts. How are we, are we framing the issues of my life? Am I framing it in a pessimistic, I can't handle this way? Or are we challenging ourselves with optimism? It really does begin from within. And in order to be successful, and, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, you probably already know this, that if you really want to be successful, now weight, losing weight is less difficult than lifelong weight mastery, but it begins with the same concept. And that's fortifying your resolve and your self-discipline. And self-discipline is a muscle. You know, no one's born with self-discipline. We develop it. And if you are feeling woefully low on the self-discipline scale, keep in mind that it's like any other habit. If you resist that cupcake, if you resist going to the fridge for that ice cream one night, you know, you're building self-discipline muscle. And over time, if you continue to succeed at proving that your intentions and your actions are one and the same, then you build your self-discipline muscle. So weight loss, weight life mastery, it's all about self-discipline. Then there are plenty of programs that try to sidestep side you taking responsibility and they deliver the food and they prepare the food and they even feed you, I guess, if they want to. But it all comes down to the inevitable, and you know I'm, I'm telling you the truth, the inevitable, inevitable need to take responsibility for your actions. So when you define your actions and your intentions, only you can decide if you're going to stick with that or if you're going to allow yourself to be swayed, if you're going to give into that, what I call the child reflex, eh, it's just one cookie, it's not going to hurt. You know, you, the more you stay black and white with self-resolve, the better. Sure, you can slip up, that's okay. But I guess what I'm saying, the more that you realize, you know, 
don't rationalize that one extra cookie. Don't rationalize tonight. I'll just have one scoop of it. Decide what your intentions are and be black and white about it. Now, if you don't want to be black and white about it, that's fine. And say that, you know, I'm going to mainly stick to my diet. And whatever the outcome is, I'll, I'll accept that. But if you really want to define what your success is and what, it, more importantly, what your behavior needs to be, then you have to take responsibility. And don't let some program uh, come to your house with these little packages that you put on and then you eat, because this is the whole yo-yo concept. If you don't change your mindset, if you don't change from within, then nothing has changed. Yeah, you've lost a few pounds, but you haven't changed. So what I'm suggesting today is the change that I'm referring to is the change in self-discipline that comes from within. If you change that, then, then you can maintain lifelong weight mastery. So it's not just about summer and getting that beach body. It's all about health, weight mastery, and even the psychological benefit of realizing that you are living responsibly according to your intentions, not the cravings of your body, the habitual cravings that have crept into your life, but your intentions. Define your intentions, but equally as important, recognize that there are these enemies. And to reiterate, they are adverse circumstances, harmful emotions, and destructive habits. Keep those in mind, and it will help to keep you more, I think, clear as to the path ahead and to the potholes that need to be avoided. And let's wrap up this discussion with one more self-coaching tip. Unless you learn to change your habituated thoughts, perceptions, and behaviors, losing weight will always always be a temporary success. Lifelong weight mastery is dependent on a resilient attitude capable of sustaining your habit reformation efforts. Here's the important part, important part over time. Be patient, be patient, and don't be a perfectionist, a little bit of a slip here or there. Always come back to center. You'll be fine. If your resolve is there, you'll get back to center and you'll do better and better and you'll have less distractions, less potholes. So give yourself the benefit of the doubt, harness that optimistic attitude, and by all means, be aware of your three enemies. And visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy. And there's lots of stuff there you might want to browse and take a look at some videos and etc, etc. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. Remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And what do you say we make it simple Believe together? In yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams.